Sometimes, despite your best efforts, your recovery gets derailed. Powerful life triggers, a lack of support, a wrong turn. Relapse happens, it's frustrating, but the important thing is to not wait another day to get back on track. Foundations Recovery Network is here to help with more than a dozen outpatient programs and six residential treatment centers to choose from. Our co-occurring treatment model gets to the root of your addiction, putting you back on the road to recovery. Call 877-714-1318 to reach our confidential helpline 24-7. We're waiting by the phone. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. What's up? Welcome to Sober Guy Radio. Thanks to Humans for bringing us in, as always, and thanks to you for supporting the show. We're live at Innovations in Recovery uh, in Recovery Conference in San Diego, California, brought to you by the amazing Foundations Recovery Network. Uh, what a great group of folks uh, brought us down here. We got the whole whole fam with us: the Jess, Lucy, Cash, all coming down here to join and hang out uh, with some awesome people and talk about some great things that are happening in the recovery community. Uh, the weather here is phenomenal. Wouldn't expect anything less in San Diego. Um, and uh, we're going to talk today with Patrick Smith. And Patrick is uh, the clinical program director at Orange County Recovery Services. And uh, also understand, Patrick, uh, that you have a great uh, story of recovery yourself. So we're going to get into a little bit of both of that today. Welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's great. Uh, we've got a little beach action going on. We've got lots of interesting and creative and uh, very smart people walking around, too. I, I, uh, I, love, I love the mix of different folks. Um, how's things going with you, man? Uh, what, what are you up to these days? Oh, these days? Well, first of all, really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And, yeah. you know, the intro, when I talked about emotional nudity, got me a little scared. So <laughs> I'm uh, <laughs> stripping it down. Yeah, baby. <laughs> stripping it down. But, uh, man, um, you know, I just uh, I'm uh, I'm another sober guy, and yeah, uh, have a, a a long story of addiction, and, and uh, the good news is it's an even longer story of recovery. That's yeah, and, that's uh, great. It's yeah. even better. Yeah. Uh, let, let me read a little bit about um, about Orange, uh, Orange County Recovery Services. Uh, it's a state licensed substance abuse treatment facility located in Huntington Beach, California. Uh, they provide confidential solution-based treatment options for individuals and their families confronted by drug and alcohol-related issues. Um, studies consistently shown that recovery rates are significantly higher for clients in a structured, intensive outpatient program during their first year of sobriety. I know that you guys have, uh, and I don't know a whole lot about the program, obviously, that's why we're talking today, mm. but I know that there is um, a, a, a very set structure, which really does seem to help. Uh, we need structure in recovery. I know I do at least. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, absolutely. You know, structure uh, is a big part of recovery. Um, it's also a big part of the disease. I yeah. mean, uh, ritual is a big part of uh, a daily um, living in, in addiction. Yeah. And um, yeah, so structure is something, you know, been, I've been working with young adults for quite a long time. That's That's been my uh, sort of niche. I yeah. kind of fell into it um, 
you know, before we started with Orange County Recovery Services, and I was able to, because uh, they basically just handed me this program. Really? And said, here you go, run with it. And uh, I come from working in an addiction treatment hospital setting. I was a uh, counselor at Betty Ford Center for many years. Really? And uh, yeah, it was oh, I ridiculous. Yeah, I, well, that's crazy. Yeah, it's having a GED from the Department of Corrections and being able to do what I was Isn't doing. That wild, man? Well, yeah. I mean, I started a support staff and found out that I, I had a gift for working with guys and yeah. specifically able to connect with the young guys um, in in uh, in a way that uh, that they love and appreciate. And so I just kind of, you know, my job kind of chose me. I didn't really choose it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Betty Ford Center was incredibly supportive of me as an individual and working into being a clinician and so they they built up a young adult track around me as the primary counselor I'm, I'm that guy that you'll put the the Kmart gangster wannabe tough guy um, <laughs> and uh, the super entitled guy with I kind of have a knack for working with them yeah and sure. uh, <clears throat> in a, of course a loving way <laughs> yeah wink, of course wink, wink. yeah gotta yeah. be loving yeah. otherwise yeah, yeah. and um, but I, I come straight at the guys and that structure is something that they respond to. Most young men um, will not tell you that they want and need structure, yeah. but they truly do. They need it. They respect it. They love it. They depend on it. And it's amazing. And what I found out over my years of working with young men is that they will go to incredible lengths to see if you're who you say you are. They, they appreciate and respect boundaries and honesty. And so that's, I think that's one of the reasons they respond to me so well. But structure, you know, with, uh, with the sober living that we work with, Ohio House, and, uh, um, and our intensive outpatient, um, is, uh, it's a really solid one-two punch because the, yeah. the sober living really provides the, um, uh, the structure and support, the brotherhood, the fellowship that they need because they're only with us in our IOP for three hours a day. So the other 21 hours a day, they're with, they're with yeah. Baja House and they're yeah. in the sober community. And that's a big part of what we do is plugging these guys into the sober community, holding them accountable to uh, getting involved with 12-step recovery yeah. and meeting attendance, uh, obtaining and working with a sponsor, yeah. uh, not just kind of hanging out and, and going to the beach all day, but it's one of those <laughs> things that's cool. We're good with going to the beach, man, yeah. but do your work first, yeah. you know, work first, play later, and that's a concept young men don't necessarily get. Yeah. So um, we're really big on, on structure and support and accountability, and we have a really good uh, seamless, I'd like to say seamless communication with the sober living and what we're doing at IOP. Um, they're actually part of what, what I refer to as the multidisciplinary team. The sober living and the house managers are always called in uh, when we have to have a meeting for whatever reason with a the client. They're always included. Yeah. So transparency is a, a big part of recovery and, yeah, and it's, it's a big part of treatment too. Yeah, I, I find it interesting. You pointed out um, you know, that, that especially young men need structure. They don't admit to it. Between the structure and, it, and, and between admitting I need some help there's such a huge gap there that's looked at as weakness. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, and I think that's why it's so difficult to even take that next step to say, Hey, you know what? Um, I need some help and I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know for me, that was a tough, a tough spot. And once I did it, man, it felt like the weight of the world was off of my shoulders. So yeah. how do you, how do you take someone though, who doesn't want, what up, man? <laughs> how do you take somebody who, uh, who, who doesn't want the help yeah or at least doesn't want to admit that they want the help how do you how do you kind of approach or or talk to that well the man? good news is is that I, I of course I can have that talk and I'm happy to do that but I, I I'm just a real advocate of a positive peer culture yeah and it's amazing when you take a young adult who's got the attitude they're resistant because they're ultimately 
uh, willful and, and all powerful yeah. and they know yeah. it all and all that good stuff of course. and um, <laughs> don't want to expose any weaknesses. But when you put them in a, in a recovery environment and you've created a culture that involves transparency and the guys, uh, the senior guys that are in the houses, yeah. you put a, a guy that's really resistant. I really... To be honest with you, I sit back and let them do a lot of the work because, um, you know, it's just a culture that we've created in regards to because uh, they hear stuff from each other different than they hear it from me. Yeah. Even though I'm a cool looking guy and all that good stuff, I got a great beard and awesome <laughs> you do tattoos. have a pretty rad beard, yeah, that's for sure. Well, it's the beard of knowledge. It's, it's white. <laughs> it, is. it hasn't always been that way. That's but, right. uh, um, you know, the main thing is uh, I, I can tell them all, all day long what they need and all that stuff, but I let the community show them. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> of course, I'm always there to uh, tell, speak some truth to them and, and come straight at them in regards to my own experience, in regards to uh, both in, personal, you know, uh, in a personal way with my recovery, but also as an addiction professional. Because, yeah. um, you know, truth be told, I've been in this business doing this about as long as a lot of them have been alive. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that doesn't really go very far because they look at me like an authority, even though I look the way I do and act as cool as I am. I'm the program right. director. I'm the clinical program director. and yeah. I'm an authority figure. And, and generally, um, they're going to go right against the authority yeah. no matter what. That's what I did. Yeah. You even, know, if you, even if you do have a well-respected beard, you know what yeah, I mean? That yeah. doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. You tell me what to do, I'm going to rebel. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, we, let the, uh, we let the community show them. That positive cool. culture is something that we... Uh, uh, we, we work on and develop and maintain in a healthy recovery community um, and just guiding these guys and letting them, you know, because a lot of them, will, they'll just test boundaries. That's what they do. Yeah. They, they test you and test, 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 and, um, and, uh, and it's okay. Like I said, they'll go to absurd lengths, you know, and, and deal with a lot of different consequences uh, just to see if people are going to hold boundaries for them because huh. they're so used to uh, being able to manipulate and push boundaries and see people crumble and all that stuff. And yeah. when you don't crumble, um, they develop a certain amount of respect for you. Some, they, a lot of times they can't say it, uh, but they'll show it and they respond yeah, um, to it. And that's, it's a beautiful thing. It really is a beautiful thing to see a young guy who's ultimately um, you know, rebellious and all that stuff actually <clears throat> see the value in, in practicing some recovery principles in their life. Well, I think, too, when, when, uh, when you're somebody who's been through it personally, yeah. um, it builds a sort of trust right off the bat. So, yeah. and you kind of, you kind of mentioned that a little bit. I'd love to hear a little bit about your personal experience and how you're able to take that and relate it to these other, other sure. guys who yeah. maybe well, have related. Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, um, you know, born and raised in Orange County and started with drugs at about 13. Started, you know, I found no dose in the Boy Scouts, no oh, dose yeah. in cigarettes. No dose. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and all that other stuff. And I, I, you know, basically bailed out of out of high school halfway through my sophomore year um, couldn't couldn't pull it off because I had a different agenda I just yeah. wanted to be a drug dealer and I'm gonna go on record as saying I'm a horrible drug dealer I'm a crappy drug dealer I'm a failure as a drug dealer I'm a great <laughs> customer but Congrat a horrible dealer. congratulations yeah yeah and um, you know what happened is I got uh, I got arrested for possession of like five minutes after I turned 18 years old no it was way. and right to jail Man. and that uh, that started me in a in a uh, a cycle of about 12 years of being caught up in the system, Orange County, you know, jail system, and uh, about four and a half years of my life incarcerated, and uh, gangs, and you name it, homelessness, and all that other stuff. Um, but uh, and with my own personal, uh, you know, story of addiction, I uh, 
progressed. You know, 80s was all about the cocaine and, yeah. and weed and all that other stuff, and alcohol was always a constant. But um, in the early uh, 90s, I think right about 90, I found methamphetamine, mm -hmm. and that progressed uh, for me um, to be uh, actual... You know, IV drug user, just just kind of living the life and being a slave to substances, and yeah. and I, I didn't have much choices. You know, my disease took my uh, my word away from me, and I was raised that a man is only as good as his word. And and when you're when you're taught those values, and something takes your word away from you, uh, there's no getting around knowing uh, that you're a phony. Yeah. Uh, that you're a phony. You can't be a man of your word. Your handshake means nothing. Yeah. Looking somebody in the eye was uh, worthless. And um, and I knew that deep down. Um, I wanted to be a stand-up guy. I had great intentions. Yeah. Real good uh, you know, motivation to want to be a great guy. But unfortunately, I was truly powerless. And being powerless uh, led me into... Um, uh, just being that, that typical lying, cheating, stealing, master manipulator, trust violator. I get over on everybody that I can. The easy ones twice, you know, if they'll let me. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, just uh, ultimate taker. And, uh, you know, so being in and out of the system, because I'm a guy that can survive in jail. Not everybody yeah. can do that, yeah. um, but I'm a guy that can do that. That's easy for me. And what ended up happening to me is, uh, you know, I got arrested for the last time. Um, uh, in 1993 up in Big Bear uh, was up there trying to you know uh, be in God's country and make a new start get away from uh, the Orange County vibe and yeah and to get out of that, that the only, zone yeah the only problem was is that uh, nothing changed except yeah. for my location and uh, I started to try to be a cool drug dealer up there and ended up uh, losing my mind um, which tends to happen on methamphetamine and I was running around the mountains talking to trees and uh, asking for cigarettes and uh, you know last time I got arrested was a couple of Bear Valley sheriffs I was in this wonderful couple's front yard face down with one shoe on and really didn't know if I lost a shoe or found a shoe <laughs> I love it. and um, if, if anybody can relate to that they're, they're definitely uh, listening to the right podcast yeah. so you know um, I got arrested and uh, was for the first time uh, was ready to go back to jail no, no problem knew I had it coming but uh um, this judge that, that uh, I got put in front of uh, asked me a question, and no one had ever asked me that question before. He looked at me and said, Mr. Smith, would you like some help? And I said, yes, I would. And I wasn't even sure I needed help at the time, yeah. but I just couldn't get around that gift that he was throwing out there. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't yeah. that screwed up. And, uh, and I said, yes, I would. He goes, okay, Mr. Smith. And I'll never forget these words he said to me. He said, I'm going to throw you a lifeline. And you can either tie it around your waist and tie it to something and anchor yourself and save your life. Or you can use it to hang yourself with. And, um, wow. and I, I was kind of thrown back by that. And, and You don't hear that every day, especially no. coming from a judge. No, I mean, I mean I've, I've had some really horrible conversations with judges. <laughs> and, and They didn't that, go that way. That went really well comparatively. Yeah. But um, what ended up happening was is that man sentenced me to treatment, you know, uh, for 180 days. So six months of treatment was my sentence. And um, I had no idea what I was going to do or where I was going to go. But I said, yeah, I'll do that. And I did. Um, I called a family friend and one thing led to another, a series of, uh, you know, blessings and people put in front of me. And, um, and I got introduced to this guy, Joe, who worked at a treatment center uh, as a detox manager. And that guy came and saw me and uh, asked me another horrible question, like, what's your problem? And I didn't have an answer for him. <laughs> and, um, and he said he knew what my problem was, and I asked him what, and he says, your problem is you don't know how to live. And I didn't know, you know, it was like getting punched in the stomach. It just yeah. knocked the wind out of me. I had no answer for that. Yeah. 
So uh, next thing I know, I'm being dropped off at a place called the ABC Recovery Center in Indio, you know, California, about yeah. 20 miles past any lengths. <laughs> and um, it was in August. It was hot as all heck. Yeah. And I, I was sentenced there for six months. I stayed for 17 months. Something really? happened while Yeah, something happened while I was there. I had reservations when I went. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. going to quit smoking weed. Uh, you know, alcohol wasn't a problem. Um, but uh, I got the gift there. You know, it was... Uh, uh, a beautiful place surrounded with people that wanted to be sober and took zero crap from a guy like me. Yeah. And uh, they, they knew my, there was no hustle I could run on them that they hadn't seen or heard. Okay. And, uh, and they absolutely, you know, got me into, uh, in, on team sober. Let me just say, I got on team sober. I was, I was on the bench, but I actually got on team sober and, uh, and active. It's so, it's so crazy to me. And what a great, thank you for sharing, yeah. you know, that I'm sure I know for a fact, there's probably a ton more to the story, Yes, sir. but just that, you know, just that brief, um, little part of it, I'm just thinking like, it's a great example of when we show a bit of compassion, like it, from a judge's yeah. perspective too. think about how you said you had some other conversations with other, other judges. Yeah. Had that went the same way, you could be in prison right now. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like yeah. th- th- that trajectory you were headed down. Um, so the reason I bring that up is because there's obviously a huge debate right now about what we do with the epidemic that's going on in yeah. the country right now. Yeah. So, um, you know, some people take the route of the criminal route. No, yeah. it needs it. But I, I don't think personally that that is the right way. And I think that your situation is a great example of that. You've been able to take that. It took a minute, right? Sure. 17 months there. Yeah. You know, you had um, some ups and downs, I'm sure. Um, what's up, Jordan? Um, but once you get to that spot, now you flip the script and you're giving back. Yeah. And so let's talk about that real quick. Uh-huh. The selfishness of the disease, the selfishness of running hustles on, you know, some people multiple times, yeah. lying, cheating, the whole nine yards, right? Yeah. Completely flip the script. And now you're serving others. You're serving your community. You're serving other men in recovery. You're helping people change their lives. Yeah. I'm sure you're making a lot of mothers out there happy who are getting their sons back. Uh, yeah. Talk about that part of it, man, because I think that's amazing. Well, you know, the uh, the, the families are, are just brutalized. They're held hostage. Yeah. And, you know, I terrorize my family. I can't think of a better word to describe myself as other than a terrorist. You know, and, and that's, that's <laughs> maybe a, 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 I don't know if that's PC, but... You know, bottom line is I was terrorizing the heck out of my family and everybody. Mm -hmm. And um, when it comes to uh, flipping the script and going from that transition of being in the in the problem and getting into the solution, um, it's it's definitely a process. And if I can, you know, say anything to any family or or any loved one, I think that. Sometimes helping can hurt, and people need to find what their motivation is and all that stuff. And uh, the uh, the fact that young men. Um, what do you mean by when, hel- what do you mean by helping can hurt? Well, sometimes uh, you know, because we have a tremendous genius with kind of attacking people in a way that we know they're going to respond best. And uh, you know, because I mean, I have heard these phone calls. Uh, putting, uh, you know, guys on the phone with their parents who were like, I need to leave. And, and they're on the phone talking to their parents saying, this place is like a prison um, and all this yeah. stuff. And it's really, it's ridiculous. They have mm-hmm. no idea. They've never been to prison. They don't know what that's like. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's just the kind of stuff they use. And, uh, you know, if I go hungry, it's your fault. If I'm sleeping under a bridge, it's your fault. And Blame the world. Just playing that, yeah. that guilt card. It's just so brutal. And uh, so, you know, we the family contact, especially with our program, is something that I learned uh, early on in this field 
uh, just how important it is to align yourself with the family, to support the family, because um, most of the time the family are the ones that are the hammer. Yeah. And if, yeah. uh, and if you if you can't use the hammer, you know you're 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 screwed. And you know, yeah. not having that tool um, ain't nothing going to change if nothing changes. But um, aligning myself with the family, or, or aligning our team with the family, supporting them, educating them. Uh, remaining in contact and one of the things that we hear and you know I don't mind boasting a little bit here but of a lot of the not. feedback we get from our families is there they say we've never had the amount of uh, communication and support from any program of the 11 or 12 or 5 or 10 <laughs> programs yeah. they've been before that uh, uh, that we have with you guys and that's just uh, for me it's a it's a must it's critical is that o- just an open line of communication flat out to where yeah you're, you're, absolutely you're them yeah we know do what's a, going on well we, it's we, huge. we do a lot of, of family contact it starts from uh before they walk in the door yeah. and uh and the day they walk in the door i mean besides the uh the admissions and intake counts are connecting with the family the uh the counselor connecting with the family the client advocate talking with them the uh, you know the we have a vocational and educational coordinator that talk to them. We do a full family questionnaire. Our therapist call and do a full family history with them. Get as much information as we can uh, so that we can. Because uh, uh, the more we know, the better we can serve them. Yeah, sure, and, uh, sure. It's important to know just how sick the family is, so we know how to support them. Because um, a lot of times. Uh, sometimes the family is sicker than the client, and it's you know, and they don't have any drugs to deal with it. And yeah, it's 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 so it it is such an important aspect of it because um, the family, the kids, the spouse tends to get overlooked a lot of the time, yeah. or they're in the shadow. You know what yeah. I mean? It's because it's it's a, it's such a selfish disease, yeah. and yet even in the recovery aspect, it's still selfish because it's all about that person because they're trying to fix themselves, yeah. trying to fix the wreckage that they created yeah so it's like man how do you how do you deal with that from a family perspective well you know? and, and the other side of that, that's absolutely true but the other side of that is sometimes families don't want to i mean they're like please just they're fix done him. with it yeah they're done just with take it. him yeah. fix him and 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 i don't want to hear about it i just i'm done hearing about it i'm done talking about exhausted, it exhausted probably uh, just yeah, mentally they're, exhausted yeah, like they're, yeah. they're brutalized yeah you know, just brutalized so we try to just, you know, get them connected with some healing. You know, we're doing what we do with the clients, and we're big advocates of, of them getting into their own form of recovery, whatever that looks like, whether it be through Al-Anon or through individual therapy or through a support group or our portal on our on our website. We've got a family portal that allows them to oh, nice. uh, communicate with each other, ask questions, um, talk to uh, ther- our therapist, Parham Nimatola, and he's got a thing, Ask Parham, and, and he oh, answers cool. questions and, and supports them all the way through and start a dialogue with themselves because, um, you know, we're, our big motivation is to get the clients, uh, the, the patient, into a supportive recovery community with peers that understand what they're doing and we want to do the same with the family. You know, they need yeah. to be with their people. We've got the clients with their people and we need to get the family with their people. Yeah, back um, on the same Yeah, because a lot such. of them have no hope, and it's uh, yeah. it's amazing when they talk to a family who can step up and say, you know what, as soon as I cut his credit card off and said no more and let him walk around the street for a few days, it was amazing how willing he got. <laughs> and, and and the other yeah. parents are sitting there going, oh, I can't do that. And they're like, yes, you can, and that's the only thing that worked for us. And that's yeah. not always the answer for everybody. Yeah, everyone's but, different, I yeah, think. But, so, but it's really important for them to have that support. Um, so, so when we're talking about... Um, 
you know, we're, we're talking a lot about being in, in treatment um, and being there. Mm-hmm. One, another important aspect of this, probably equally as important, is when, uh, you know, we as addicts go home, right? Yeah. We got to go back into the real world, man. Yep. We got to try to get a job. Like we already talked about families, you know, we got to, yeah. we got to try to deal, mend those, those, um, you know, those relationships. Um, and at the same time, try to find out who the heck we are. Yeah. I mean, that's a difficult, difficult thing. Like, I, I guess I want to ask you personally, I know when I came home from treatment, um, I share this story a couple times. It's funny, man. I'm not a cowboy by any means. I love old Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard. Love that old country Respect. stuff. Yeah, man, just the yeah. stuff right there. Yeah. And, uh, but I'm, I've never dressed like a cowboy anything, right? Well, I got home and I literally had no idea who, I, I didn't even know. So I, I told my wife, I'm gonna be a working man. I went out and I bought some, these work boots and these Wranglers and like this hunting vest. I've never hunted in my life, right? right. I was so confused. I had no clue. Like, what am I doing? Like, who am I? How do I have fun, you know, and be who I am? How, how was that for you, like, almost recreating yourself? Um, or I don't want to say recreating yourself, finding yourself, finding the true you. I think that's an important topic. Yeah, absolutely. And I was, I was lucky. I mean, a lot of our clients are coming from out of state. They're completing primary care at other programs. A lot of them are foundations referrals. Yeah, I mean, I got to give awesome. props to Foundations Recovery Network and the programs that they have because they trust us and believe in us. And a lot of yeah. times um, we're not looking to send the clients back to home because it's not a safe place for them. Now, yeah. there are those that are going to go back home need to go back home, whether it be for school or whatever. Yeah. Um, but for me personally, I was lucky enough to leave Orange County, uh, go out to the Coachella Valley, get sober, and I stayed there. Mm. And it was like a fresh start. All new people, a whole new support system, no unhealthy relationships, yeah. and start fresh. And that's exactly what I needed. Not everybody has that opportunity to do that, but I did. And I ended up coming back to Orange County you know, full circle after about 18 and a half, almost 19 years. Wow after getting sober uh, and, and coming back. But, uh, you know, the um, man, it just comes down to following the herd and find out who I was, um, not knowing who I was, because I'm a chameleon. I don't know how you were, you know. Yeah, very, but, no, same. I, 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 I fit will, in with the, the homeless guy on the street or whatever. The, the rich dude in the, it doesn't matter, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, I can I can conform to whatever I need to survive yeah. in any situation, you know, yeah. and that's that's something I learned from a young age. And uh, But finding out who I am, uh, was a process and it, and it took some time yeah. and uh, and you know I didn't do it perfectly like I don't think any of us do but uh, you know finding out who I was um, was a process and for me it was so important for me to be surrounded by older sober men I needed some mentors yeah. to guide me through the process um, well I uh, think I, I think as we grow too uh, I know for me I'm I'm still continuing each day while working a program and just like you're saying being around other yeah. other um, people in recovery mm-hmm. I learn a little bit more, I feel like, each day, too, yeah. about myself and growth and, you know, or, or figure something out. And I think that's the exciting part of waking up every day. Like, I used to wake up every day and know what was coming. Like, sure. I was going to I was gonna get intoxicated yeah. and probably say something or do something stupid, yeah. uh, especially towards the end. And now, it's like something new every day. I wake up, I don't know what God has in store. Like, let's see, though. I'm excited to get up and do it, you know. My wife doesn't like it sometimes because I'm up so early with the lights on making noise. Yeah. So, what are you doing? Go back to sleep, man. <laughs> nah, I'm ready, man. I'm ready to start the day. Yeah, my head woke <laughs> up five minutes before I did. We're exactly. ready to go. Oh, man, yeah. I, yeah. I, I struggle with that yeah. one. I'm already, my thoughts are already rolling. Um, well, Patrick, man, it's been great to yeah. have you on. Let's uh, let's wrap this up. I want to ask you one more quick sure. question. I think uh, I think I'm going to make this a part of the theme as we continue on with other guests too. Um, 
one of the things one of the things that is so important in recovery is to have some fun, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be a very serious um, uh, uh, situations, I guess. Mm-hmm. Next to that, we got to have fun, man, mm-hmm. no matter what. And obviously, we don't do that through drugs and alcohol and abusing ourselves anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what's your take on having some fun, man? Like, uh, what, what can you speak to people out there about uh, recreating this new um, this new life for themselves and really enjoying it? Well, you know, getting active and, you know, because addiction's all consuming, you yeah. know, it's a, it's a full-time job yeah. and it interferes <laughs> with exhausting. everything. There's no doubt about it. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's amazing. I, I had no idea that, uh, that I could write. I was, I hated school. Um, and it's, it's just amazing. I think it's a process, uh, being surrounded by people that are active and, and, and doing stuff because every young guy's fear when they're getting sober is life is over. It's going to suck. It's yeah. going to be boring. And it's just not the case. There's a you know young adult sober community that is so strong. They're you know the Dicky Paw, the Y Paws, any all the all the Y Paw, the young people in AA. They're so organized and they're doing stuff. There's Facebook pages on it and in events that they're doing. They're doing campfires, volleyball, and it's sober. genuine connections too. It's yeah. not connections yeah. based on how jacked up I feel, and I'm talking about how to how they built the Great Wall of China when I have no clue, you yeah, know, yeah. talking about a bunch of madness. Like, yeah. they actually are meaningful conversations. Yeah. It's beautiful, man. Yeah, it's a great deal. I mean, yeah. all it takes is, uh, you know, it's that thing, uh, one one alcoholic or addict talking to another yep. and connecting in a way that, uh, that you just can't with somebody who doesn't understand yeah. and finding Powerful. out that, man, there's a uh, so, sober's fun. I mean, personally, I, what I do for fun is I... You know, I ride motorcycles, and we're in, uh, so I ride with a bunch of sober guys, and we do charity events. We'll show up to a park and hand out blankets and food to homeless people, and it's really uh, gratifying. And, and doing service work and going to the soup kitchen or the local shelter and doing some volunteering is something that we yeah. direct the guys to do, and they're amazed at how much fun it is to be of service and, and do stuff like that. But ultimately... Um, they're uh, they're gonna have to find. You never know what you're capable of. That that yeah. thing you were talking about, waking up in the morning and what's today gonna bring, and yep. being excited about it, yeah. um, doing new things is uh, is a gift of it being is. sober and waking up a free person every morning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's I'll, my take I'll, on that. I would imagine you're probably not the only dude in in uh, in your group of homies that you ride with that has a, a gnarly looking beard and a cool looking guy. Yeah. I love the the image of that um, at a park handing out blankets yeah. because. Um, you know, people people ch- tend to uh, to judge based on appearance a lot of the time, yeah. and I think I think um, you know it, it's just important for all of us as as people, man. We never know what somebody's been through. We never know where they've been, and uh, and and we don't know. Um, what their life was like and it's important for and they don't know vice versa they don't know what our life has been like too right. and when we get to talking to people and we get out of that shell and we start learning about ourselves and we can start learning about other people man we meet some great people and we make some great connections and we change we change lives man yeah I love it dude thank you so much for coming on today if anyone wants to reach out to you they want to find more about Orange mm-hmm. County Recovery Services uh, where could they go OrangeCountyRecoveryServices.com or uh, they can uh, they can actually <clears throat> feel free to call me. I don't have a problem giving my number out, 760-574-0101. I'll talk to you, help you out if you're a family member or got problems yourself. If I can't help you, I'm going to direct you to somebody that can. That's a yeah. commitment of mine. Patrick, uh, thanks so much for joining us today, man. It's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. I'm going to see you around this uh, awesome event, man, and we'll, uh, we'll, ha- we'll hang out later, man. Word. I want to see a braid in that beard sometime. Nah, that's, <laughs> you can't do it. All right, man.
Peace. Peace, man.